Welcome to UO Today. I'm Paul Pepys, Director of the Oregon Humanities Center. My guest today is Joy Harjo, an enrolled member of the Muscogee Creek Nation. Harjo is a poet, musician, and author. She's the Professor and Chair of Excellence in the Department of English at the University of Tennessee at Knoxville. Harjo's eight books of poetry include the recent Conflict Re Resolution for Holy Beings, How We Became Human, New and Selected Poems, 1975 to 2001, and The Woman Who Fell from the Sky. Her memoir, Crazy Brave, was published in 2012. She has been the recipient of the 2015 Wallace Stevens Award from the Academy of American Poets for Proven Mastery in the Art of Poetry, a Guggenheim Fellowship, the William Carlos Williams Award from the Poetry Society of America, and the United States Artist Fellowship. Harjo has released five award-winning CDs of original music and in 2009 won the, a Native American Music Award for Best Female Artist of the Year for her album Winding Through the Milky Way. Her most recent release is a traditional flute album, Red Dreams, A Trail Beyond Tears. On February 2nd, 2018, Harjo gave a poetry reading at the University of Oregon. Her visit to Eugene was in collaboration with the National Endowment for the Arts Big Read Initiative. Thanks, Joy, so much for coming on the show. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Um, tell us a little bit about your background. Well, I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is uh, west of our homelands. My family is from uh, the, my Muscogee Creek family. I'm in a, and I'm a full Muscogee Creek citizen is from, we were moved by the U.S. government there from, to Indian Territory from Alabama, Georgia area. And I grew up wanting to be, I knew when I was very small that I wanted to be an artist. Now for me an artist means cre working as a creative artist. But I saw my grandmother and my aunt's paintings, uh, Lois and Naomi Harjo's paintings, and I, uh, my mother was a singer-songwriter until she had to work and had so many children, had four children, and then that, I saw what happened. <laughs> you know, I saw how talented she was, and uh, she even had songs recorded, and Ernie Fields, a really well-known band leader, in the Tulsa area and nationally um, took some, rearranged one of her songs for an orchestra. And mm -hmm. So that, there was that part of it. And then there was the falling apart of all of that. And we um, had a stepfather and so there was a whole period of chaos and upheaval. And then I went to Indian boarding school, Indian arts school, the Institute of American Indian Arts, which is now a really wonderful full-on arts college. When I went there, it was still under the Bureau of Indian Affairs. It was still a wonderful place. It saved a lot of our lives. Your poet laureate, Liz Woody, also went to school there. I met her later as I was one of her mentors. And um, so that saved my life and I got into, I still wasn't writing yet. <laughs> you know, I would write, write, I was a really good note passer and I wrote terrible, <laughs> terrible songs for the all-native acid rock band. <laughs> but I didn't get into writing poetry till I was in my mid-twenties and I was at the University of New Mexico. But I was, I think it was my mother loved lyrics and poetry and I think I got that from her. But I also am descended from principal chiefs of the tribe and speakers and um, so it all, I think, kind of comes together, sometimes pretty well and sometimes a big mess, <laughs> you know, within me. Uh -huh. Would you read a poem for us? 
Okay, yeah, this is from my newest collection, Conflict Resolution for Holy Beings. And I weave it with um, these little, they're almost like little riffs. And uh, like here's the one that opens it. I lay my body down in another city. And I'm reading this because I think it was Portland that this is, this one was in Portland. Huh. I lay my body down in another city, another hotel room. Once Louis Armstrong and his band stayed here. Later the hotel fell to trash. New money resurrected it. Under the red moon of justice, I dream with the king of jazz. Now you see, our people were part of the origin story of blues and jazz. And uh, that's the project I'm working on right now. That's is to a historical biography. Yes. However, that, no, it's a historical memoir. And you memoir. think, okay. how can you, memoir is about memory. How can you make a memoir? But the memory, everybody's memory is out there. Mm -hmm. And um, it's also going to be about things I want that I think the kids should remember. So this is called This Morning I Pray for My Enemies. And whom do I call my enemy? An enemy must be worthy of engagement. I turn in the direction of the sun and keep walking. It's the heart that asks the question, not my furious mind. The heart is the smaller cousin of the sun. It sees and knows everything. It hears the gnashing even as it hears the blessing. The door to the mind should only open from the heart. An enemy who gets in risks the dangers of becoming a friend. You alluded uh, just before you read the poem to um, the importance of speaking to the young. Mm -hmm. You've spoken often and written often about the responsibility of poetry and poets. Mm -hmm. Tell us how you understand that. What is the responsibility of poets and poetry? My understanding, when I first started writing poetry, um, I was very lucky. I was in a very I was at that point where like multicultural, you know, the realization is that, well, we are a lot of people here, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and there are natives here in this country. And, and, and um, I was around like Leslie Silco, who wonderful, you know, Pueblo, Laguna Pueblo novelist and poet. I love her poetry mm -hmm, too. Mm -hmm. uh, Simon Ortiz, James Welch, who wrote Writing the Earth Boy 40. And um, so, can you remind me? The responsibility, <laughs> yes. the responsibility. Yes, there is. so what happened is when I started writing, and I was at the University of New Mexico, I was an art major. I was painting, and mm -hmm. I was doing very well with that. But um, I realized that, you know, the artist, I, I, I have a painting my grandmother did of Osceola, who was a Seminole warrior, but he was our relative. He was our uncle. and. And then when I started writing poetry, there were natives, so I had this wonderful group of people around me. But mm -hmm. I also went to Africa to look for the poets. And what kept coming back to me all the way around is that we're truth tellers. That in any society, whether it was West African or Muscogean, you know, or Irish, or, you know, that the poets are the ones who were kind of take the pulse. Because where does poetry come from anyway? I mean, what is the inspiration that comes through and gives artists the, the visions that they put on paper or paint or carve or make baskets of or write stories or so on? Where does, where does that come from? And it's a kind of um, 
sacred and sometimes not so, <laughs> you know, it's the origin of that. It's the same kind of origin that springs us into being in all of our good, bad, ugly as humans. But there's a response, you know, that's the response, there's a responsibility there because when you work with words, you realize that they do change, they change you mm-hmm. as, you're, as you're working with them and they change others. You also um, always speak about the common roots that poetry and song share, that, that poetry's roots are in song. Many of your poems are songs. You regularly sing parts of your poems or your poems. Why is song such an important part of your poetry? Why is singing so important? Probably one, because of my mother and coming to poetry through her, because she sang her poems, basically. Mm-hmm. And I still have in, I've got scraps on envelopes and little pieces of that drugstore stationery, her little, her notes and some of her song lyrics. And I use one of them in my play, um, Wings of Night Sky, Wings of Morning, Wings of Morning Light, a one woman show. But I think that's why, but then as you, you know, you, I start researching. The other, the other part to that is I wondered, okay, where are the poems? In my tribe, well, Alexander Posey was a wonderful newspaper person, did these incredible, really um, incredible pieces of, um, you know, journalism that had to do with, you know, they were political and, and so on, but he was also a nationally known poet. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's that, but I also thought, well, where is the poetry happening now? Because there aren't a lot of books and people generally don't go to necessarily go to books quite a bit for poetry most of the world's poetry is oral mm-hmm. or it comes from there even the this is all oral you know and uh but our poetry is in the in the songs in the out at the ceremonial grounds and the songs that people sing old ones out of tradition and then newer songs that people make and in the oratory, there's a special kind of oratorical form that is just beautiful. And it, it's, it's so rhythmic. There's a rhythm and a form to it. It's, so that's, it, it does, and, and my, what I see is that poetry, music, and dance come into the world, came into the world together. If you look at any tradition in the world, any tradition, you go all of the, it's like that's the crucible. Mm-hmm. You know, that is the crucible, those three, in order to, um, you know, that it, music, poetry, and dance. Would you read another? Sure. Uh, let's see, maybe I should. Well, this is Eagle Poem. And it was g- actually given to me by an eagle, but I don't say that years ago. But then when you get a little older, you say what you want to, <laughs> because you've earned it. You know, I've, earned, I've earned my poetic license. <laughs> to pray, you open your whole self, to sky, to earth, to sun, to moon, to one whole voice that is you. And know that there is more that you can't see, can't hear, can't know except in moments steadily growing and in languages that aren't always sound but other circles of motion 
like eagle that Sunday morning over Salt River, circled in blue sky and wind, swept our hearts clean with sacred wings. We see you, see ourselves, and know that we must take the utmost care and kindness in all things. Breathe in, knowing we are made of all this, and breathe, knowing we are truly blessed because we were born and die soon within a true circle of motion. Like eagle rounding out the morning inside us, we pray that it will be done in beauty, in beauty. Such an amazing poem. Thank you for sharing it. Your work can confront some of the most horrific aspects of uh, American history and of human behavior. Yet your poetry, as in this case, always works the magic of transformation and elevation. Where do you find the strength for that hope in the face of the history and the reality that uh, you confront? I don't know. I'm wondering about that right now because the so all of the signs, I mean, what is it, almost 60 degrees out? And, you know, we all know what happens. You know, we're not separate from how the world, <laughs> the biology of the world. If there's a fever or illness, there's that kind of fluctuating. There's a fluctuation in government. There's a fluctuation in land. Government is very ill. The people, when you get that kind of division, when people are no longer speaking to each other, but uh, you know, actually making policies to uh, force or to hurt other people, it's there's a great illness, and it comes out of. I mean, there's there's certainly a basis for it in this country, maybe all around the world, with the unrelenting wars. Every religion has major responsibility for wars that have destroyed millions of people. Nobody is without blame. Mm -hmm. And so we're watching all of these, and I think we all are, and we're, everybody's a little on, you know, heightened alert, just like the, in Hawaii where they had that fa false alarm. It was, but it wasn't. Mm -hmm. It was something for all of us to pay attention to because we're on heightened alert. And so I know a lot of uh, poets and artists are, you know, we're all ta talking about it. Well, we were talking about that in the circles years ago where the people who know things warned us that this was going to happen if we did not take care. So I don't know what's emerging in me is how do I, how do I, with all of these, I always, I had, I have a lot of grandchildren and now great-grandchildren and then I married and and now I, it's doubled, <laughs> you know, but then they're all, I mean, I have young people I've helped mentor, they're my children, I call them my poetry children mm -hmm. or all, you know, they all are. And I think, how do we, how do we help make a way for, you know, we're all going to be changed. I was thinking, what's going to happen to our collective mind when some of these unthinkable changes happen? You know, what do we do to prepare? And how do we stand strong knowing that ultimately in the end, there is only love? That ultimately, no matter what kind of atrocities. And I don't know, I think a lot. I've been writing work that comes out of um, the area. You know, I came back for that job mm -hmm. because Knoxville was where my grandfather, Manawi, who fought against the illegal move, and it was very much like the so-called leader we have now, the same thing where, you know, the law says one thing and they say, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not ruled by the 
people or the law, I'm going to do what I want. Mm -hmm. And then we were moved. What do you do? I've been confronting that since being there. He was in Knoxville. He, he got his warrior name for stealing horses <laughs> in Knoxville, coming up from the Chattanooga River area and, and coming up. And, but then he wasn't stealing because those were our lands. And so if people put horses on them, well, that was the thinking. Mm -hmm. But I've been confronting, you know, with, I mean, the, just the immense, the immensity of removal, mm -hmm. which, you know, I think about what the African slaves went through. I think about what, um, you know, there were Irish people coming over here in servitude. There were, I think about, you know, all of that, because it's all part of the story of what is happening now in this country, Standing Rock. You know, we go through oil stuff in Oklahoma like that. We've been going through that for a long time all over the country. It's not just about natives and it's about all of us. This is, if it's all about, you know, perspective and context. And if you look at the Earth, that's why that NASA image of the Earth was mm -hmm. so massively powerful. As you see uh, the ecology movement and all of that arising around that image, actually, if you think about it, that we're one person. But what makes a dynamic biosystem or a mental system or heart system is, is certainly a, a structure, a strong structure, but one that has the ability to, to um, handle diverse, you know, it's diverse elements that give it that, mm -hmm. that strength. Mm -hmm. yeah. The responsibility of poetry seems to me to be crucial now. Mm -hmm. uh, art, music, dance, poetry, to help us through, to help us endure, to help us understand. Would you read another poem? Okay. And I think I, I think a lot artists go to their art, or it's given to them, but you go through it to understand what can't be understood, mm -hmm. <laughs> because some things are really beyond. They're beyond comprehension, human comprehension. Some of the massacre and, and torture, it's beyond human understanding, but so is some beauty. Maybe the Creator is beyond understanding. We can understand it in the little crocus flowers that are mm -hmm. growing up out there, or those <laughs> magnificent trees you have here, or in the eyes of, you know, in the eyes of somebody sitting next to you on a plane and you're tired and you don't want to talk to anybody. I'm going to read this because it does, in the midst of all these huge things, it, can, it comes down to these small moments. And this was a fall song about, um, it's a love poem. It is a dark fall day. The earth is slightly damp with rain. I hear a jay. The cry is blue. I have found you in the story again. Is there another word for divine? I need a song that will keep sky open in my mind. If I think behind me, I might break. If I think forward, I lose now. Forever will be a day like this, strung perfectly on the necklace of days, slightly overcast, yellow leaves, your jacket hanging in the hallway next to mine. Next to mine. <laughs> Not mind. <laughs> 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 um, you are 
in addition to being a prolific and celebrated poet, you're also an award-winning jazz musician. How do you understand the relationship between your poetry and your jazz? I mean, obviously, I know you often perform them together. How do they work together for you? Well, I'm not technically a jazz, but I think anybody that gets a saxophone and likes to improv is going to be jazz. The, the jazzers would say, she, you know, <laughs> but those those borders are permeable. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I love jazz, even although it terrifies me. But it's it's you know, what I love about it because there's ways you can travel, and there's so many layers and ways that you can maneuver than you can with other song forms. Why does it terrify you? Oh, because I know everything I don't know. Oh. <laughs> and that's in that more than any. I tend to think that way. I think about all the things I need to know, but. Um, I think you know it's an it's it's an art you know I mean it's like you're dealing with rhythm. For me, a lot of poems come about because of rhythm and a feel. It's a feel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See, I'm good at playing with feel. I can close my eyes and play, but you know all the chord structures. I know some. I know them, but I don't have them. You know, if I were a really good jazz player, I would have them all right here, just mm -hmm. at immediate in my fingers. And I'm kind of a I play what I feel, person. I think, <laughs> but I, I study my skills. I play. I, I, I practice. <laughs> you know. It's, uh, we can tell. We can tell. <laughs> yeah. You're visiting Eugene as part of the NEA uh, Big Read project. What do you know about that, and, and why is it something that you wanted to participate in? I, what I love about it, it's a program that brings books into communities of all sorts. So I think there's about ten books that they picked. To uh, and then communities all over the country, I guess, can apply, and um, for these grants to bring in a a writer, not always a poet, but a writer, novelist and novelists and poets I know, and and but to bring a writer into the community, that is a big thing. I wonder what would have happened if I had been, if I had met a real poet, because hmm. my image of a poet. It had nothing to do with me <laughs> when I was a little kid. You know, we didn't have, you didn't have this even the slam poetry thing that, mm -hmm. or I wasn't part of it. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. poets were dignified men on the other side of the ocean, and then there was the rogue Emily Dickinson. But I didn't know. I didn't even know about my relative, even though he was in anthologies. But we didn't know about native poets. We didn't know any of people in the community who are poets. So as a kid, that would have blown my mind, just like being taken to the orchestra blew my mind. It was like, this is so cool, you know, <laughs> that, but, so it's a really wonderful thing. And I've gotten to go to, uh, went to Flagstaff. One that really touched me of all places, it was in Poughkeepsie, New York. Mm. And they had like all of these events and I wound up one day, I was pretty, I did three assemblies with just packed with kids. And I've done assemblies before. Usually I say no. At this time at this age <laughs> I say no because of an assembly I was brought into where nobody everybody it was like they brought they came in and dumped the kids and left them. Uh -huh. And nobody knew what I did. Huh. I had to work it. I got the audience with me, but I had to work it. But here it was like this huge conversation with kids and we were all we all had a good time. But that was, they read the, you know, it was, they were finding what they needed and it turned them on. They wrote their own poems and it turned them on to what was possible and with poetry.
And that's what's so great about the NEA Big Reads mm. program and about what the NEA does. Yeah. So important now, so important now. You, you um, have spoken about your poetry ancestors mm -hmm. and you've just were alluding to some of these other. Who are some of your poetry ancestors, the ones that you go back to still? There's always Adrienne Rich is someone. I'm still figuring her out. Even Wallace Stevens, who seems a little uptight to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> an insurance man. After yeah, all. an insurance man. <laughs> and I don't want to go down that way. I'm kind of irritated at an insurance situation right now. But um, yeah, so yeah, but he was, The Snowman is one of my favorite poems. Mm -hmm. And then Leslie, you know, I always go back to Leslie Silco. I knew her, I think I knew her first through her, her poems and then her short stories. And then I said, Jim Welch, he's not an ancestor. He's a little bit older. Those two were kind of a little bit before me, before I came into it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think we have time for one more poem. Would you read one more? Okay, let me see. I think I'm going to read one of these little songs. Excellent. And this because it brings together the music again. And it's cool. You kind of sometimes when you write, you just kind of watch things unfold and you think this is so cool. How did that happen? And I revise it and I if I don't find it, I'm going to have to read something else. Okay. I may have to read something. I don't see it in here. I know it's here. Oh, dang, I really want to read it. Okay. Because it's right up here in the front. Let me keep looking or I'll just say, so, I'll just read something else. Okay, if I don't find it <laughs> by the time. Okay. I'm just going to read this little piece here then. Wonderful. It's at the beginning of section two, The Wanderer. We are the earth. She told me that day we sat at her kitchen table. Everyone came to her table from the four directions to hear her stories. One day I will be gone, she said. And what will you remember of what I tell you? I realize now that she was the very earth herself talking. Thank you. We just have about a minute left. What are you working on now? I'm working on a... Um, musical, a musical play. It's not in the American musical form, mm -hmm. but nothing I do is in the, like my memoir, Crazy Ray, was not, I mean, what is a traditional form? But mm -hmm. I find my own way, mm -hmm. but it's a musical. And it's the story of a young Muskogee uh, man, about 19, 20, 21, who is a poet musician in our community who comes from a family who's worked for human native rights and he uh, has a band. He doesn't play saxophone, he performs music and he's, it, it really bothers him that he knows that we have a part in the music but he doesn't know because he goes to ceremonies, he also goes to the church thing, a lot of people do, and then there's something missing. But then he's grown up, he's had a lot of difficulties and he winds up with his band playing at a uh, kind of a fundraiser, a consciousness raiser about an oil pipeline, but it's going through Oklahoma. Hmm. 
and they're playing and the police surround them and he's shot. I'm going to have to stop you there. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm we sorry. We look forward to it. No, no, no need to apologize. Thank you so much, Joy, for taking okay. the time to speak with us today. I've been speaking with the poet Joy Harjo. She gave a poetry reading in Febu on February 2nd, 2018 at the University of Oregon. Her visit to Eugene was in collaboration with the National Endowment for the Arts Big Read Initiative. Thanks so much for watching. <laughs>